Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Hey friends, welcome to the year-end wrap-up episode of Working in Yoga. I'm not sure why, but I love these recap episodes of podcasts and radio shows that happen this time of year. December is such a great time to look back at what happened during the year, consider the lessons learned, and take stock of where we are as we shift into the new year. 2023 was quite a year for an industry and for people culturally as well. As you will hear next week on the podcast with Michelle Cassandra Johnson, we both discussed how you can feel social challenge and social change in the air. It feels like it's almost sitting on your skin. And 2023 has brought new challenges and uncomfortable growth opportunities for us all. Now, I don't intend to sugarcoat our situation industry-wide, so don't expect a We're All Better podcast here. But my hope is that I create one that invites us to look at the data we have, explore the events of the year, and hopefully find a path forward for us in 2024. Before we begin, though, if you haven't, will you go ahead and hit the like or subscribe button wherever you're listening to the podcast? It will help other yoga pros find us gathered around the water cooler, hydrating, chatting, and connecting with one another. And if you haven't popped onto my newsletter, please consider it. I have a new quiz launching for 2024, one that gives some guidance about where you can double down and work in your yoga professional development for the coming year. So if you're looking for something new to explore next year, go to the show notes and drop your name on my email list. That quiz is launching in mid-January. And finally... If you are taking some time for yourself during this holiday season and are in need of a reset for next year, consider joining me and our sponsor, Sunlight Streams, for a weekend of virtual self-care workshops. If you've never worked through a sankalpa or dove into a journaling practice or discovered how your environment can support your self-care or done a deep dive into the step-by-step basics of how to really implement self-care practices into your life, I would love to see you there. I promise we will dive deep, have a transformative time, and take a moment to pause and care for ourselves. Grab all the info at www.thesunlightexperience.com backslash self-care 2024. Now, what are my top events that I saw happening in 2023? Let's get into it. Number one, Bikram came to Canada. Wait, no, he didn't. Earlier this year, infamous yoga teacher Bikram Chowdhury was planned to be hosted by Hot Yoga Studio in Vancouver, Canada. 
He was planning on hosting a weekish of classes at a Vancouver hotel, and the yoga community, both in Canada and internationally, organized to stop him. Now, I've had several podcasts on this topic this year, and in full disclosure, I was one of the people who was helping organize folks on the U.S. side of the border to see if Canadian officials would work with the California state legal system to get him extradited to the U.S. to face criminal charges. Bikram's event was subsequently canceled. Nobody wants to go to jail for something as stupid as forgetting that you have a bench warrant out for your arrest and flying into an extraditing country. So it looks like he stayed home. Here is what I think this says about us as a yoga community. I, for one, am proud of us for choosing to organize against Bikram. He has been proven to be a dangerous individual for young women over and over again, and it is about time that the yoga community as a collective, stood up against his behavior. This isn't just a quote-unquote hot yoga problem. This is an industry issue, just like John Friend, Patabi Joyce, and Yogi Bhajan are. It is important that we decide to support each other, no matter the lineage or sub-community, within the yoga space. I've said this so many times, but it always bears repeating. We all have the same job, and we should have each other's backs, too. The three podcasts I did this year on this are, first, the co-podcast with Colin Hall and Shannon Crow, the Bikram Update podcast that happened later on in the year, and then go listen to my recent conversation with the amazing Val Sklar Robinson, who was featured in that Netflix documentary that we all watched, about how she responded by creating an organization for her yoga community called the Original Hot Yoga Association. Secondly, the lasting impact that COVID has had on us. And I promise you, I'm not just going to talk about virtual. While I don't ever want to act like COVID isn't very much still with us, in 2023, we pretty much got back to normal for yoga classes and other group activities that for the last two and a half years were something that sort of gave us all pause. But what were the lasting effects of COVID on our industry? Now, I see a few of them. And these are going to exist outside the virtual landscape. Of course, virtual yoga changed everything for all of us. And I've done so many podcasts on this. I want to talk about a couple other things that I see that are important. Firstly, the reason our students are coming to see us has shifted. We within the industry have long known that stress will kill you faster than almost anything else. But that nervous system down regulation that is often a very welcome effect of a yoga practice was usually considered like a bonus add-on in comparison with the body changes that so many yoga practitioners see. However, after the gargantuan stress levels of the last couple years for all of us, those of us who have been talking rest and relaxation are finally seeing our day. We are seeing our students come into our spaces craving that rest and relaxation as a primary motivator, much more than we did four years ago. So if you, like me, have been on this train for a while, good news. This is our time. Make hay and take advantage of it. Also with COVID, we are a much smaller group of individuals working within the industry. With the economic hardships that most of us are facing in the US, the UK, and the EU, It is worth mentioning that there are fewer teachers, fewer studios, and fewer places to connect as a yoga industry. Those festivals that we all used to go to seem to be gone, and a lot of our connection happens now online more than in person. 
while I don't see this being a forever change, I do think it is worth mentioning that there are fewer places to gather now for us as industry professionals. I'd love to see more of those conferences pop up in 2024, 2025, or maybe we can all just go on vacation together and relax. I don't know. What do you think? And finally, the other thing that I see really having COVID impacted our industry is travel. So speaking of those travel retreats that we might be going on, a lot of our industry rested on resort and wellness travel. And while that did come back in 2023, I don't think it has come back as quickly as we have wanted. So for those of you on the retreat chain, I think it's worth planning for some smaller and less expensive travel for the next little bit of time. One thing that surprised me personally, as I looked at the data I collected from my own studio's studentship at the end of October, is how big trips were not as appealing as they used to be. In 2019, I could have said, let's go to London, and everybody would have been like, great idea. But today, on the survey that I took, the request was reasonable destinations and short day trips. So consider adding smaller things to your list of travel options for 2024. I certainly am. Okay, next. Let's collect our people. In 2023, we have had some arrests within the yoga space, especially here in the U.S. A teacher was wanted for murder in Texas, and most notably, a former police chief and yoga teacher in California was sentenced to 11 years in prison for his hand in the January 6th riots on the Capitol in Washington, D.C. Why I think this is newsworthy and made my list of this year's events is because there's a bit of reckoning that I think we need to do within our industry. Folks who have been solidly within our yoga community in 2019, who have moved into far-right extremist places in the U.S. need to be challenged within our space. With large names like comedian J.P. Sears coming out as pro-Trump and pro-white right-wing extremism, it is worth a bit of thought as to how those folks found their way from the generally liberal space of yoga that has typically always existed. So I'm going to offer you a visualization of how I see this shift playing out within our yoga industry space. I think the interruption in our thinking lies fairly directly in the idea that we as humans exist on a straight line graph that has far right-wing extremists on one side and far left progressives on the other. In that scenario, the two sides couldn't be more opposite, could they? But we don't exist on a straight line, just like yoga poses don't exist on a line of good, better, and best. That line is actually a circle. And the further left you go actually ends up directly lining up with the far right. So take these two sides of that straight line that you imagine us on and curve them in towards each other until they meet. Now, most of us exist in a collective space where we swing sort of pendulum style from one space to the other. In some things, we're more conservative in our thinking and other things, we're more progressive in our thinking. Most of the time, hitting a threshold that is essentially being a moderate. Even those of us who feel like healthcare and college education should be free, such as myself, which would be a pretty progressive stance for the United States, 
still land in a really central space of collective good within the circle. Now, our extremists often lie on the individualism side of our circle, which is where extremely far right and extremely far left folks often meet in the space that puts the individual needs and experience before the good of the collective. So if you know people who swing in that direction, make it your part-time job to remind them that we are better together than we are individually, and we owe it to ourselves, our industry, and the community at large to really take our people within our space to task for their attitudes. Now, up next, item number four. In spite of our financial challenges over the past few years, wellness in general is experiencing a huge boom, y'all. As I've referenced on this podcast many times before, yoga and wellness are projected to have astronomical numbers in the next couple years. According to Yahoo Finance, the global health and wellness market is expected to grow from $4,951 billion in 2022 to $5,320 billion in 2023. Okay, so if you're not doing math in your head, that's an increase of about $1,400 billion in one year. Of that, yoga is worth, at the end of 2022, $105.9 billion and is expected to move to $215 billion by the end of 2025. So within three years, my friends, we are expected to more than double our global industry revenue. We are worth so much money. But I also want to put this money in perspective. So the tech industry, for example, is worth $1.6 trillion annually, globally. And I think that's so much money that most of us can't even actually fathom how much it is. And oil and gas are worth $4.6 trillion. So we exist within a very booming industry, but we are not the people making the most money in the world. So please don't worry about being part of the problem. I tell you these numbers so that you're inspired to see that there is money out there in the industry enough for you to build a sustainable business and income, not to scare you into thinking that somehow you shouldn't be working towards a bright and viable financial future because that is somehow in disagreement with your own personal value system. Okay, and finally, are you ready? I am doing something I've never done. I am giving the Yoga Alliance a win here at the end of 2023. Obviously, I find stats to be incredibly important to the overall understanding of and success of our industry. We need to know who we are, how much we're worth, what kinds of folks utilize our services, and more if we are expected to make impactful decisions on how we operate in our professional lives. And the Yoga Alliance, in a ninth inning move, launched at the end of this year what they call the Yoga in the World Research Study. You can find the details at yogaalliance.org backslash yoga in the world, and there are underscores in between yoga, in, and the, which honestly shows you how ridiculous they are as an organization. Like someone couldn't go in and change it to yoga in the world, all one word. Seriously, Yoga Alliance, if you're listening, please do that. This is ridiculous. And this Yoga on the World study shows us a few key pieces of data. The first, 
this study is actually where I got my data about the key motivators for our students to come and see us that I referenced earlier in this podcast. In the U.S., 57% of respondents said that stress relief was a key motivator for them coming to yoga classes. That is huge. The second and third highest key motivators were flexibility and overall health in the U.S. at 46 and 45% respectively. So stress relief was a good 11% higher than the next highest reason that folks practiced yoga. In Brazil, India, the UAE, and China, overall health actually topped the charts. And in case you were wondering, both weight loss and physical conditioning were considered as key motivators in this data. Some other findings from the Yoga in the World study stated the lack of diversity is a recognized problem. Teachers especially want to be part of the solution in making yoga feel more inclusive for all, sex, body type, and ethnicity. And personal and shared connections are the prime motivator to start yoga. If yoga is right for their friends or peers, non-practitioners are willing to try it. I am looking forward to seeing the full data that they collected, but any information that we have regarding the yoga industry is good for us all. So thanks, Yoga Alliance, for doing that job. There it is, my wrap up of the things that I saw happening in the yoga industry in 2023, my friends. Now I'm gonna quickly tell you what I'm looking forward to from us in 2024. I am looking forward to the let up of economic hardships that have caused regular folks to cut activities like yoga from their budget. While I know some very smart studio owners who have advertised to people who love brands like Goop and Tesla, I know that those folks are generally not my folks. I have a studio filled with factory workers and activists and healthcare workers and educators and physical therapists. When the general population sees an economic boom or increase, I think that a lot of us will see a bigger, more robust return to our spaces. Next, I'm looking forward to a bigger and more in-depth conversation around self-care and rest in spaces that does not rely on selling people items in order to receive the benefits. While a lot of us have shifted in this direction, I think yoga and specifically yoga therapists have a lot to offer in this realm. And finally, I'm looking forward to us getting more serious about our businesses and less serious about our yoga. Yoga can be light and fun and funny and a relief from the day-to-day grind that we all experience. Yet we, as yoga folks, have held fast and tight to our ideas of quote-unquote right and wrong in regards to what yoga is or is not. And I have so many guests on the podcast in the next coming few months who will be talking about this. I can honestly not wait for you to listen. So happy New Year's, my professional yoga friends. I want to express so much gratitude for all of you who listen to this podcast It is part of my body of work that I'm building for the world, and I'm grateful and excited that I get to share it with you. What to expect in 2024 from working in yoga? As I've said a few times here, I am diving deep into our perfectionist ways and what they have done to serve us and how we can let them go. Two of the interviews that I've already recorded with Dr. Sham Raghunathan and Colin Hall are so delightful. 
Dr. Ranganathan talks deep yoga philosophy and how we in the West have been taught virtue ethics from a very young age and how yoga philosophy differs from this. Colin and Hall and I chat about our attachment to being so serious in the yoga space. Yoga can make a serious impact without us being such jerks about everything. Colin posits a theory about that that I really like, and I think you will too. But next week, next week, I have the incredible Michelle Cassandra Johnson on the podcast sharing advice, wisdom, and spiritual guidance for us in 2024. I've really loved her work since her book, Skill in Action, and she has a book coming out in 2024 that I can't wait to read. Michelle and I also talk about the weird world of navigating social media and responding to all that is going on in the world in a very public way. For me, it was just the conversation that I needed to start off 2024. Thank you again for listening, my friends. Let's gather around the water cooler next year, okay? Because I don't know about you, but I definitely value our break time together. Happy everything, everywhere, and welcome 2024. Let's all take a big breath in on New Year's Eve and start off the year with a big exhale together.